episode 8. Following the events that occurred in Charlottesville in August and subsequent vandalism and removal of the Robert E. Lee statue from the portal of the Duke University Chapel. Joining us in studio to discuss the commission spokesperson for the Commission on Memory and History, Mike Schoenfeld. The chapel, um, a, a great uh, Gothic uh, cathedral constructed at the at the centerpiece of, of Duke University, um, was designed and modeled on the on the great European cathedrals. What would you like me to put in the in that portico? What you should do is have a uh, representations of the South on one side and representations of, of uh, religion on the other side. Rumor around campus says that it happened overnight very quickly, you know, under the cover of darkness and there was not much thought or perspective put into the decision to remove that statue. Can you clarify that for us? It's important to remember uh, and to look back at what was happening in the country and what was happening in Durham uh, during those five days. The environment was a very, very tense one. How that commission came about and the process that got as much difference of thought as possible into, into the commission so that every single viewpoint and point of view was was evaluated, was deliberated, was, was heard. Were there any dissenting voices in that compressed period? This was a, a really interesting group that took their assignment very, very seriously. So take us into one of those meetings then. Describe any of the different levers that might have been negotiated to reach a final outcome. Was, was there any discussion in the commission about putting it back? One of, okay, the university doesn't subscribe to the ideals that that statue represents. Or would you say that it is to protect against the campus? Recently, uh, Durham Public Schools Board stripped Carr's name, Julian Carr, from a middle school building. Is Duke under the same pressure to do that as well from the Carr building on East Campus? TNDC episode 8. One of the more sensitive and controversial topics that I think we've explored to date follows a report sent to the Duke University community on December 2nd, 2017. The report is a very well thought out piece, in my opinion, written by the Commission on Memory and History at Duke University. Following the events that occurred in Charlottesville in August and subsequent vandalism and removal of the Robert E. Lee statue from the portal of the Duke University Chapel. Joining us in studio to discuss the commission decisions made and future implications of the process by which buildings will be named, statues will be removed or erected, and more is Vice President of Public Affairs and Government Relations of Duke University and spokesperson for the Commission on Memory and History, Mike Schoenfeld. Thank you very much for joining us, taking the time out of your day to discuss the commission, the nuances of the commission, and results of the commission with, with Great, the group Thank here. you, Jake. Delighted to be here today. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't we give a little bit of context of the events that led up to the formation of the commission and then, and then what uh, President Price charged you all with? Sure. Well, um, th- uh, if we want to really go back in time, there's, uh, th- there's the fact that uh, in the 
uh, portico of Duke Chapel, there are six statues, statues of six uh, individuals. Uh, and they have been there since the, the chapel opened in 1932. Uh, and the, how they got there is actually really interesting and, and, and sort of odd and maybe even um, amusing uh, to a certain extent. So the, the chapel, um, a, a great uh, Gothic uh, cathedral constructed at the, at the centerpiece of, of Duke University, um, was designed and modeled on the, on the great European cathedral. Uh, the great European cathedrals uh, were uh, typically Catholic uh, cathedrals, so they had uh, statues of saints in the in that location, right at the at the entrance to the uh, to the chapel. Uh, the uh, uh, contractor, the general contractor for the chapel, who had been given the design uh, by. Horace Trumbauer, the university architect, and, and remember the chapel itself was designed by Julian Abel, African-American, uh, who never actually, we believe, never actually saw the campus once it had been uh, constructed because of segregation. Anyway, the general contractor of the chapel comes to the architect uh, of record, Horace Trumbauer, and says, uh, this is a great European cathedral. In the great European cathedrals, there are statues of saints in the portico. Uh, Duke is a Methodist institution. Mr. Duke, we know, is a, is a staunch Methodist. Uh, there are no Methodist saints. What would you like me to put in the in that portico? Uh, the and we know this because the contractor wrote a memo at the time. One of the one of the great contemporaneous uh, CYA memos of the 1930s. Um, Horace Trumbauer uh, said basically, "I don't care. Put whatever you want in there." So the contractor, being a little bit adrift, somehow finds his way to a professor, unnamed, and we actually checked in the archives of both uh, uh, at Duke University, a professor at Vanderbilt University. We actually even went to the archivist at Vanderbilt to say, do you have any records of who this may have been and what, they, and what this person may have said? Uh, so the professor, this unnamed professor at Vanderbilt, uh, says to the contractor, uh, this is what you should do is have a uh, representations of the South on one side and representations of, of uh, religion on the other side. So for the representations for religion, um, they uh, chose uh, Savernola, the 15th century monk who uh, was best known for burning books and nearly destroying Western civilization. Um, John Wycliffe, uh, who was the first uh, person to edit the English language version, version of the Bible, uh, and Martin Luther, um, obviously of Martin Luther. Uh, for, the, for the secular side, uh, this unnamed, unknown professor said, uh, suggested a statesman of the South, Thomas Jefferson, a poet of the South, Sidney Lanier, a rather undistinguished um, Southern poet of the time, uh, and a soldier of the South, Robert E. Lee. Now, none of those, certainly none of the biblical figures, obviously, or the, the uh, figures of, uh, representing uh, religion, obviously, had a connection to Duke University or Trinity College. None of the individuals, uh, none of the, the representations of the South had any connection that we know of to Duke University, to the Duke family, or, or to Trinity College, the precursor uh, of Duke University. Yet, nonetheless, that is what ended up going up there. So when the, uh, there was no input from, many, as far as we, can, we know, there was no input from anybody uh, at Duke University, the president or the board, about those figures. They just went up. 
Um, so when the chapel, when, when those figures were actually unveiled, when the chapel was nearing completion, the board of trustees of the Duke Endowment, which is the foundation, I don't want to get too complex here, but which is the foundation in Charlotte that essentially, for all intents and purposes, ran the university uh, as a board um, back then, um, were actually so horrified, well, horrified may be too strong a word, they were displeased with, with the statues. And we think they were displeased because the, the representations of them were just not very good. Um, the board of the Duke Endowment and physical representations. The, physical, you're the actual about. statues. The yeah. actual statues. The the, the the board of the Duke Endowment was uh, so displeased that they passed a formal repre- uh, re- resolution saying that those statues were actually not who they looked like. And you notice there are no nameplates on them. It doesn't say this is Thomas Jefferson. This is Robert E. Lee. This is Sidney Lanier. They were so displeased with the representation statues uh, with the, with the the um, actual statues, they passed a resolution that said, these are not the individuals who you think they are. They're representations of those individuals. So you have this bizarre circumstance now where the governing board of the university passes a formal resolution that says, the people that you're looking at, they're not who, who you think they are. They're not who you're looking at. Um, and and there we have it. Um, fast forward. Were, were they displeased with the individuals? As well, that were chosen. Um, it, it's unclear. The the historical record is unclear. One could assume that they were not happy. They were probably more unhappy with the way that they turned out than who they actually were. Um, but a, a case could be made in, in either direction. Okay. Um, and and like I said, there you have it. Fast forward eighty years, those statues are are uh, still there. So they had important thing to remember is. They were selected not by any kind of deliberative process by the university. They were they were not selected by fiat by the president of the university or the chair of the board of trustees or anybody in any in any position of authority. They were selected by the contractor, by the builder, um, consulting with somebody that nobody that 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 we have no record of, um, uh, and yet they became the 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 this sort of representation of duke of the university of the region of the duke chapel and um and became part of our history so and so so fast forward to to this year and obviously controversy around this subject and uh-huh. uh, um let's kind of examine the the immediate kind of uh, run up to the formation of the commission and yep the, the events that, that surround that that one particular statue of, of, yep. of not Robert E. Lee. Of not Robert E. Lee. So, so interestingly, um, one, one more footnote on that. Um, if you look at the carving in the, if you look at the, if you lo- looked at the Lee statue, and there are photos of this online, um, you will see that the stone carvers um, carved Lee in his Union uniform, because remember he was a Union general up until the, the start of the Civil War, uh, and the belt buckle says USA not CSA. Uh, and there's been a long debate uh, among Duke, Duke historians about whether that was um, uh, ignorance or mischief. And nobody has ever been able to solve that, uh, to, to definitively solve that mystery. Um, so, uh, and, and it's also important to note, this is not, this year was not the first time that there's been controversy about the Robert E. Lee statue. I, I've been at Duke for, for nine years as a, um, 
uh, and working here, and I came to Duke in 1980 as a freshman. Uh, and even then, uh, there was head scratching about at the head scratching at the very least, and and the occasional flare-ups of of protests over over the years about why Robert E. Lee is in the portico of the Duke Chapel, which didn't even exist during the Civil War. Uh, I came from another university. I actually worked at Vanderbilt University for 12 years. Vanderbilt was formed immediately after the Civil War, so it did have a more complicated um, history and connection to uh, the Daughters of the Confederacy and and, and uh, Confederate uh, memorabilia, had a dorm actually named Confederate Memorial Hall on the campus. Um, Duke, Duke's history was not as, was not at all uh, as entwined with the, the symbols of the, of the South since the university didn't really came into being in the, in the 1920s. So all of that's a, a bit of a digression. Uh, fast forward to, um, to the spring. Uh, a, there had been questions, actually before Charlottesville even, there, there were questions and concerns that had been raised about, um, uh, about uh, the, that, that particular p- piece of Civil War um, imagery uh, on the campus um, before, before Charlottesville. Uh, Charlottesville accelerated the, the conversation. And it's important to remember, too, the context in Durham at that particular time. So this is the end of the summer. Um, Charlotte, the, 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 the horrific tragedy in Charlottesville uh, takes place. Um, there is a powder keg in Durham as well. Um, a statue had been um, pulled down, a, a civil, unrelated Civil War statue had been pulled down in front of the courthouse that had stood there for um, 90 or so years. Um, there was a much tenser environment in Durham than, uh, than we had um, experienced in a long, long time, if ever. Uh, and there were very real and legitimate concerns about safety and security on the Duke campus. This was all before school, right, right before school started. So we did not have students on campus, but we had a lot of activity in the community uh, at that time. Um, uh, while, uh, in, in the midst of this very intense environment, um, the statue is defaced, um, vandalized, uh, and President Price uh, who made made the decision after consulting with faculty, with students, with staff, with alumni, with the chapel, the leadership of the chapel, concerned about both safety and symbolism, uh, that uh, that that the 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 best and, and 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 right thing for Duke University to do at the at this time was to remove that statue, um, both both to ensure that the safety of the building and of the statue, but also as a as an important symbolic movement for symbolic move for the university. He did that, by the way, with the full enthusiastic and unanimous support of the Board of Trustees. Um, this this didn't happen uh, in a vacuum. Um, and it provoked, uh, as you would imagine, anytime you have symbols like this, it provoked a, a strong reaction on um, many different sides. Um, those who felt that somehow that was caving to 
political correctness, rewarding vandalism, others who felt very strongly that it was a long, long, long overdue uh, symbolic statement on the part of the university as a um, uh, towards uh, inclusion, towards those who um, felt uh, had had legitimate um, and uh, deeply felt concerns about uh, about the appropriateness of that statue in a house of worship. Uh, in a uh, university that is dedicated to uh, the tenets of inclusion, we could debate that all. Yeah. We could we could debate that issue, and, and believe me, many people have wanted to to litigate that um, again and again and again. But the decision was made. It was made for the right reasons. It was made through a uh, through a certainly a compressed, but nonetheless. Um, uh, very uh, thoughtful process, uh, and president recognized that this is not this is not one and done. You just don't um, you just don't do something like this without looking at the implications. So um, he, at the same time, he created this commission uh, on memory and history to um, but to ex- further examine the situation, um, make recommendations about. What should be done with that uh, with that vacant space in, in front of the chapel uh, at, to develop principles? And this was the charge to the commission to develop principles um, by which the university should, in the future, evaluate the um, uh, ev- evaluate the appropriateness of symbols, and also to advise on the process that the university will use. Uh, when future issues come up, so, so it was not. It was there was a sunset on the commission. It was a three-month assignment, um, and uh, it started work um, pretty pretty close pr- pretty soon after the after the statue was was taken down. So, Mike, if we if we slow down and look at the dates, because of course, leading up to Charlottesville, as you mentioned, there had been years of mm-hmm. of contention around that particular statue, but Charlottesville happened on August eleventh. And the following Saturday, August 16th, I believe, is when the note from President Price came out that the statue had been removed. Rumor around campus says that it happened overnight, very quickly, you know, under the cover of darkness, and there was not much thought or perspective put into the decision to remove that statue. Can you clarify that for us? Um, sure. So, uh, obviously I've, we, I've heard the, I've heard those rumors as well. Uh, it's important to remember, at, uh, and to look back at what was happening in the country and what was happening in Durham, uh, in the, during those five days. Uh, so it, the, you can't separate the, you, you can't separate the decision from the environment and the environment was a very, very tense one. Um, we, we, we there were, um, uh, there, there was a um, very deeply held concern. It wasn't just the Duke; it was in Durham that uh, Durham was going to be the next Charlottesville, uh, and uh, that we had we had legitimate questions uh, and concerns about public safety, about the safety of the campus, about the safety of individuals on campus, uh, and about the safety of the of of um, facilities. So uh, I, I would I, I would encourage anybody who wants to feed off of that rumor that um, that uh, they go back and look at the you know minute go look at Twitter, look at look at Facebook, look at 
the news media, look at the sort of minute by minute what was happening, in the, again, in the country and especially uh, in Durham. Um, second, yeah, yeah, the, the decision was made quickly, but it was made decisively, and it was made after an intense amount of consultation with um, faculty, with student leaders, with the board of trustees of the university. Was it a lengthy deliberative process in which every individual and every and every uh, group had a chance to make the um, to state their case? No, obviously that 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 didn't happen. Yeah, but time didn't allow for it. But time didn't allow for it, and it was made with the best information uh, available at the time, and it was made under circumstances that were less than ideal, where you had vandalism, where you had uh, concerns about safety, um, and where you had uh, a national mood that was um, uh, that was explosive. So, yeah, so y- yes, gu- guilty as charged. If the question is, was it made quickly? Yes, it was made quickly, but it w- but it was not made um, impulsively or um, without uh, thought and deliberation. So I'd like to dive now into, obviously, the that was the impetus for the commission being set up. And mm-hmm. this is a commission that was meant to do that deliberative thought, to really have the time and the space to think very deeply about these issues and, and, and come up with, as you said, kind of recommendations and a, and a, a kind of a, a way of thinking about these things going forward. And, and Cove, I know you have a, a question brewing. Let me pose the charge to the commission and then... Yeah, does that work? That's, a good, that's a good idea. So there were, the charge to the commission was threefold. Proposed principles to guide the president and board of trustees when an issue arises related to the appropriateness of a memorial or the naming of a facility on campus. Number two, apply these principles in recommending options to the vacant space in front of Duke Chapel. And number three, provide input as to procedures for applying these principles to any future issue related to the appropriateness of a memorial or the naming of a facility on campus. So with that, yeah, go ahead. So I, I, I think that you know, those charges are specific. They are kind of detailed and, they, and obviously they guided your thinking in, in the commission. What I'm interested in really is, is understanding how that commission came about and the process that got as much difference of thought as possible into into the commission so that every single viewpoint and point of view was, was evaluated, was deliberated, was, was heard, and potentially even contrast that with what happened over that shorter time period and the decision to remove the statue, I, I'm interested to know, were there any dissenting voices in that compressed period? You're talking about student leaders and faculty. Were there, were there strong voices in, in, in that, um, maybe 24 hours, that were advocating the that statue stay where it was? So um, let me take that last question first, because I, I think that's a fairly easy one. Um, there were... Uh, I'd say that that among the people that were consulted, and again, this includes faculty leadership, students, alumni, and and um, community leaders, and and especially the board of trustees, which is which is made up of 40, 41, 42 people um, who have a wide range of experiences and uh, and uh, and backgrounds. Uh, I, the uh, consensus opinion was there somebody who said leave it up uh, yeah there was pro- among that group there 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 was I don't I want to say it was uh, uh, completely unanimous but it was strong there was a strong consensus that uh, the best thing for Duke to do at, the, at that time given the circumstances and given the information that we had at the time was to take that statue down um, so and, and leave it down at that point because now commissions formed. Yeah, we've to, to leave it down and to and to engage in in, in this process. Correct. Um, the, so the 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 commission process was um, the the. the 
the president wanted to form a wanted to to take advantage of the expertise broadly and and, and also the opinions broadly within the Duke community. So uh, he created this commission that include that was chaired by um, Frank uh, uh, Frank Emery, who is a, um, a former trustee, uh, a Duke graduate. Uh, a um, uh, very prominent uh, attorney and civic leader in uh, Charlotte. Um, the uh, he's actually a double uh, a double graduate of Duke and, and the law school, and also uh, the parent of a of a Duke student. So his his um, uh, connection to and affection to Duke is is uh, I would say unrivaled. Uh, the the uh, vice chair was Except graduate. Numa. Uh, well, okay. I, I mean, I, I would raise my hand too, yeah. but um, uh, there's there are lots of people at number one. Um, uh, the vice chair, um, Grania Fitzsimmons, who, uh, you know, as you know, is a uh, distinguished professor at, at Fuqua, somebody who uh, has who who uh, represents um, a the, uh, uh, both uh, the intellectual and academic. Um, uh, um, leadership of the of the university. She's the, on uh, the executive council of the academic uh, executive committee of the academic council, a faculty leader, uh, and then include the the mem- other members of the commission included faculty um, with expertise in memorials and tributes. Um, uh, the dean of the Duke Chapel, the dean of the Duke Law School, because these questions are not only, they're not only emotional uh, and academic and artistic, they're also legal. Um, students, uh, representative of the undergraduate student body, representative of the graduate student body, um, uh, several other members of the board of trustees, because remember the board of trustees has the final authority on the naming, on namings at, uh, at Duke University. Um, the administration, me, uh, and, and also an alum, uh, the representatives from the alumni um, uh, group, and also uh, from the community. Uh, so, could you possibly get, encompass every single viewpoint and every single perspective and every single constituency? No, that's the, yeah, that's that's what a what a uh, what a representative group does. What the commission then did was seek in a in in a fairly short time um, to get input from uh, the community. So uh, a, the website was created. Um, input was requested. We got oh, more than two hundred submissions, which I, I've been doing this uh, a long time in a lot of different forms. Uh, rarely, um, I, you know, outside of football or basketball, do you get um, that many people submitting uh, commentary and very, very thoughtful commentary on a re- uh, representing every part of the spectrum, which made it really, you know, really interesting. Um, the uh, Duke Alumni Associate. We we did not poll all 170,000 Duke alumni. But uh, the Duke Alumni Association Board, which which represents the the uh, alumni, um, had deliberations themselves and presented great information to the commission. So there was a lot of data, a lot of information to be considered, a lot of perspectives to cons- to be considered, um, as well as the the thoughts and input of the of the individuals uh, on the commission. So I, I would say this is as thoughtful and as serious uh, I should also I should add um, 
uh, one important uh, member of the of the commission. The president wanted the perspective of somebody outside the Duke community, uh, and he asked um, a gentleman by the name of Bill Ferris, who is one of the great historians of the South. He's a professor at UNC. He runs the Center for um, Southern History at UNC. He's also the former chair of the National Endowment for the Humanities, um, as well-respected on uh, across the board, um, a, a historian of the South, um, without a connect, obviously knows people at Duke, has affection for Duke, but does not have the um, either administrative or emotional connection to the university that uh, that an alum would have. So, so this this was a really interesting group that took their assignment very very seriously. Uh, and everybody came everybody came to or participated in all the meetings. Uh, one of the members was in London for one of the meetings. She spent two hours on the phone, uh, very late at night, into her time um, on. Uh, uh, participating in the meeting, so this was this. People took this took this assignment very seriously. So, so take us into one of those meetings then, and you don't have to name anyone outright. And you you briefed on it a little bit that there was a dissenting view, but fairly close to unanimous as far as uh, the outcome of this commission. Can you describe any of the different levers that might have been negotiated to reach a final outcome, or what? So, so I think that, uh, and again, I appreciate your respecting the confidentiality of the of the deliberations, which I want to do. Um, I, I would say that we had a we had robust um, discussions, um, respectful discussions, and very well informed discussions uh, about uh, about the the range of issues. I think there was a fair, if not significant, amount of um, pretty early consensus on the principles. Uh, which were very important. I mean, it sounds like an academic exercise, but developing, you, you can't go into something like this without knowing what your core, you know, everybody says we should stick to our core principles, but it's ver- but it's a lot more difficult to um, define what those principles are. And I think the report, I don't, I don't want, I'm not going to go through all of them, but but um, but the the principles as articulated there were very had a very strong consensus uh, about the importance of uh, respecting and maintaining our edu- our educational mission of connection to the university when thinking about um, uh, names and uh, and commemorations. Uh, so there was a very strong consensus on that. I'd say where you know where we had further discussion was in what to do with that. I mean, the, you know, the let's face it. What most people were interested in is who's going to go yeah, in, going in that next. place. Yeah. Yeah. And where the statue uh, is now. And where the sta- So the statue is in, is in storage now for safekeeping. Um, so the statue will not be put in a museum on campus. Um, that's, that's something still to be delivered. That, that, that decision has not been made. Um, it's not, the statue is not going to be destroyed. So um, the, the group that was sunsetted, the, the commission, was that not part of that? No. That was okay. not, Will there was, be another kind of? Uh, I think that'll be an administrative decision, um, and it's something that uh, is being contemplated. Right, right now, the statue is uh, in a secure location um, for safekeeping, and I think I, I think we want to get the benefit of thinking from art historians and others uh, and historians about um, the best way to uh, to. Um, to to uh, display or recognize that statue. You know, one could imagine, for instance, if 
the uh, proposal that the governor made about having a, a, a statue park that would have taken some of these statues off of the uh, public space and put them in a sort of designated park, you could you could imagine that that would be an appropriate place for for a statue of Robert E. Lee. Uh, I'll, I'll say that decision has not been made yet. Uh, I don't know when it'll be made, but it has not been made yet. But the, but it, but it will be made at some point. Was was there any discussion in the commission about putting it back? And in the chapel, or was that no. excluded right at the beginning? No, that was that was not an option. Okay. Um, interesting. We were one of the charges was to recommend what to do with that vacant space. Mm-hmm. Two of the suggestions have been Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Dr. Anna Pauline or Polly Murray. And understanding both individuals are highly respected as leaders of influence during the civil rights movement. Is it coincidence that Duke is considering replacing a prominent individual of the Confederacy? and a slave owner himself with an individual who fought against social injustice. So um, I just want to clarify, though, there were a number of suggestions and recommendations that were made um, by members of the commission, by uh, people throughout the people who submitted comments. I mean, there were the, the list included dozens and dozens of people. Those two, the two names that you had mentioned, those were two of the most common uh, or two of the most um, frequently uh, mentioned, but they were by no means uh, the only one. So I, so I don't think it's quite accurate to say that Duke is considering replacing, the, is considering you know, putting a statue of those two individuals. I think that's a, that's something that needs to, to play out um, over a period of time. But, but Sure, and I just pulled those. Those were the two names that were yeah. actually mentioned in the report. Yeah, they were mentioned in the report because they were two of the most commonly um, the, cited uh, by, by those who um, provided input. Understood. Um, I, you know, I think there, there was a... The, the, the deliberations included questions about should there be another... You know, could you possibly find another individual? Could you possibly could could there ever be consensus in any way around one individual to replace um, another individual? Uh, there was discussion about should should that space um, be a um, uh, should that should it, there even be an individual in there? Should there be a representation of an ideal? Should there be um, some sort of uh, abstraction that represents uh, something else? Because again, you know, how how could you possibly zero in on one person that would um, that would represent the goals, aspirations, education, mission of the uh, of the institution? Uh, and then there was the observation, and I and I and I, I I use that word very carefully. There was the observation, not the recommendation, but the observation that. Um, it would, it's really challenging to look at a space like that in isolation without looking at the other, you know, without looking at the, at the other individuals in there, every one of whom has um, a, uh, is a trigger for some ideal or value. And I, I could make the negative case and I can make the positive case for every, as did people in the deliberations, for every one of those individuals. So I don't, I don't want, I don't want to turn this into a brief where I'm going to defend Thomas Jefferson, Savranola, um, uh, Sidney Lanier, or I'm going to um, attack them. I mean, that's, you know, that, that the observation from the commission was, this is something the university might want to consider later on down the road. Uh, and it's, and it's very, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very, it's easy for us to um, 
pass judgment or make observations on this abstraction of, you know, should Thomas Jefferson should be in the, in the portico of Duke Chapel? It's much more difficult when you actually have to make a decision about it. I, I think with, with that in mind, I think it would be helpful just to, to state those kind of those four guiding principles that, that really kind of kick off the report. And, and, and I think they said they're kind of the, 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 the key headlines of, of, of those deliberations. So you're talking about the outcomes of, yeah. of the commission. <clears throat> yes, exactly. So principle number one is that the educational mission is central. Therefore the goal should be to engage with history and never erase it Two, both past intent and present effect of the representation matter and should be given weight. Um, and that's something that, that I'd like to pick up on in a few minutes. Um, the meaning of campus symbols should align in totality with Duke's highest aspirations. And that the process of changing a historic structure must be thoughtful and deliberate. I would uh, you 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 emphasized a couple of important words. The the in totality there is is an important notice because um, you don't want to create the impre- you don't want to create the expectation that every symbol at Duke will rep- will encompass every value. We we have a large complex um, uh, campus with many symbols, uh, and and that they are what they are. They're they're symbols. So not every one will encompass every necessarily encompass every ideal. But in totality, they will. The the over time, the campus will will, repre- will represent these these values. Yeah, and, and that's absolutely fair. With, with with individuals, you know, no 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 one man can represent the the yeah. totality of, of 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 what Duke stands for. Um, one of the things that really, really kind of stuck out to me was this. Um, this idea that both past intent and present effect should be uh, should be should matter and, and given weight, and something that kind of raises the possibility that as views shift over time and as things get reinterpreted or symbols are appropriated by one group or another over time, you end up with a shifting landscape that reinterprets what are the, you know, the structure and the um, the material kind of of, of, of Duke University. Do you think that this potentially leaves the door open to parts of Duke University being appropriated without the university's knowledge and without certainly without the university's control by groups that are not aligned with, with the value of Duke and therefore put some of those symbols potentially in jeopardy or need to be reevaluated given what external forces are at work, not just how the university <coughs> thinks about things? Um, is the potential there? Absolutely. Um, it, what happens in reality is something I think we have to look at. We have to take a very, uh, <clears throat> we have to look at um, over, we have to take a very long view. Um, but is the potential there? You know, absolutely. Um, and uh, I don't know, I don't know that the, we have necessarily a checklist of when something goes from the light side, from the good side to the dark side. Um, We'll probably know it when we see it, um, and and we'll know it as we uh, as we look at it over the course of the long view. But but is the potential there without a doubt? Uh, and I'd say that for any institution, um, for any institution, uh, and and for any aspect of uh, of any institution, um, because um, like you say, uh, the symbols change. Uh, the yeah, we we could all point to. Political, cultural, artistic—you know—whatever symbols that um, 
started out um, innocent and laudable and, ha- and have now become reprehensible. Um, and, and yeah, you think of the I mean, the swastika is probably the yeah. most eminent example of that, a, a, yep. a, a, a symbol of South Asian kind of peace and yep. prosperity that, that that's now the most objectionable symbol you can possibly yep. display. So. Yep, and and there yeah, and there are many many more. So so uh, so we, we we shouldn't. I don't think we, as a culture we should delude ourselves into thinking that symbols are immutable and can never take on a. Um, uh, can, I mean, you could you know you could look at even variations of symbols. I mean, a, a, a cross is a cross. A burning cross is a, a, a completely different and, you know, completely different version of a, of, uh, a, of a meaningful symbol. So, so it's, a, it's a great question. I'm not an expert on that. There are people who have devoted their lives to studying the, 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 how that works. And, and, uh, and we're fortunate that we have at Duke and places like it, we have people who have that kind of long view and expertise. Can I, so, can I ask one, one follow-up question? Yeah, one quick follow-up question. It, would you say that the decision to uh, remove uh, the statue, Robert E. Lee, uh, was it more of, from your perspective, one of, okay, the university doesn't subscribe to the ideals that that statue represents, or would you say that it is to protect against the campus? You talked about vandalism, students, things like that, as well as here's a sculpture that did this without the approval of you know the, the 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 board at that given time. You say it's one of those three, or are you basically saying it's it's kind of all of it kind of combined like together that's drove that. Yeah, I I think it's it's definitely um, all all of the above and then some. You know, I, I don't I don't think these decisions um, can uh, are ever made in isolation, and they can never be made in isolation. Um, and, and I've been. Uh, I won't bore you with the details, but I, I went through a, um, a uh, similar situation uh, that ended up getting me death threats uh, at when I was at Vanderbilt University um, that involved the changing of the name of a uh, residence hall there that was called Confederate Memorial Hall. And it was called Confederate Memorial Hall because the United Daughters of the Confederacy, more than 100 years ago, um, paid, uh, gave a gift to the to the college uh, to create that hall as a basically as a to to keep the Confederate spirit alive. And yet here you had this modern, diverse university that had Confederate a dormitory that pe- that students had to live in if they were assigned called Confederate Memorial Hall. Now. That ended up creating. There was a legal dimension to that because the the people who gave the gift a hundred years ago sued, uh, and in a, and and the university. This went on for ten years. The university, uh, long after I left, uh, just essentially made a settlement, gave a settlement to the daughters of the Confederacy, and paid them I think two million dollars, which was the value of their gift, compounded over the last hundred years, wow. for the right the right to take that to literally to sand the name off of the side of the building. So so let's talk about today's implications and and this podcast where you know it's a millennial podcast talking to decision makers and then we we like to explore future implications on our generation and in other uh, student generations as they come through Duke. Knowing that the commission has now been disbanded, they've given their report to President Price and part of that is coming up with a procedure for the naming or the uh, the future decisions to then remove names from 
from halls or, or monuments and so forth. So recently, uh, Durham Public Schools Board stripped Carr's name, Julian Carr, from a middle school building. D- is Duke under the same pressure to do that as well from the car building on East campus. And do you think post commission, we are well equipped to handle such a decision? So um, <clears throat> a couple of points that, that are important to, to uh, consider. One is, first is that, um, that what the commission did was what, what, what the president did was put in place a set up a process by which um, concerns uh, 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 by which concerns can be raised but before if somebody had concerns about a na- the name of a current building on campus there wasn't a process by which you can say like we have for instance for investment decisions where you can say this is a concern we want we formally want the university to look at it so now we have that process nobody that that Question has not come forward yet, but I expect, uh, I, based on you know, years of conversations, I expect it will. Um, second, I think that that if you look at um, Julian Carr, if you look at, at the, the Carr question, it is a little more complicated than Robert E. Lee. Robert E. Lee had no connection. There was, there was no relationship to Duke University. It was a decision. It, it was somebody who was memorialized because of his role in, in the culture. Um, Julian Carr gave the land in under w- which is now East Campus, um, and uh, so the connection to the university adds a level of complexity and nuance that um, needs to be considered. I'm not presaging any outcome or any any question. I'm just saying it. Just um, it's a different set of questions and circumstances than somebody who is just there for the culture. So, so I, th- I fully expect that question to come forward. Um, we have a process by which that will be evaluated. Uh, the, ultimately, the Board of Trustees has the final call on, on namings, uh, both namings and changes in names. Uh, and, uh, and I expect that that will play out over the next couple of years. Mike, very interesting, engaging conversation Really appreciate you coming in and talking to us about this. I think it's a really important report that everyone should read. I'll post it on our website when I publish this this episode. Um, yeah, thanks again. And what we do at the end of every recording is raise a glass. It's midday right now, so we d- we're not actually holding anything. But uh, we raise a glass to all the men and women fighting overseas and preserving our right to discuss issues such as this, such as this and... Uh, you know, protecting our First Amendment. So cheers to you all overseas and fighting domestically. And that's a wrap. Over and out. Thank you. Here, here. Thank you. Something good has begun. Oh, peace train sound.